Good morning. How are we doing this morning? All right. Raise your hand if you've ever heard about the story of David and Goliath. All right. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Well, let's talk about it. David and Goliath. What an iconic story, right? Everybody's heard of it. Whether you're a Christian or not, it's just become kind of ingrained as, a, as this underdog story in our culture. But every, and it really is an amazing story. We're going to read through it. Every, every character is so packed. Every, every line is filled with tension and drama. And it's, it's just become this incredible, iconic story. And the characters are larger than life, literally, right? I mean, we have Goliath, this giant man. But what I want to focus in on, the question I want to ask is, why is this story here? Why, why did God decide to include this story in his inspired holy word? And what does it mean for us? Is, this, is it just a story? Is it anything more than a motivational message for Friday night locker rooms? Or is there something bigger going on? Like, who's the main character? What is the story all about? And as you see, if the title slides up there, uh, that's not a typo. That's, that's pointing us to who this story is really about. And that's what we're going to look at this morning for David and Goliath. So if you would, turn or scroll, whatever you're using, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's where we're going to be, 1 Samuel 17. As we look at this incredible story. And this story just moves in three phases. We're going to look at the champion, we're going to look at the challenger, and then we're going to look at the charge. So 1 Samuel 17, I'll start reading in verse 4. And here we're introduced. I mean, this story is like a movie. It's just incredible. Every scene is packed with action. And this scene that we're going to read first, it's like the camera zooming in on Goliath, on the champion. And in any hero movie that you've watched, whether it's the Avengers or something, there's a scene, or even Rocky Balboa, there's a scene that shows the villain. And it shows how strong the villain is. It shows the operation he has running. And it makes the viewer start to ask themselves, how in the world is the hero going to win this battle? That's the scene. The, the camera's zooming up on Goliath. Let's start in verse 4. And there came out... From the camp of the Philistines, who was the army attacking God's people, the people of Israel, there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, and his height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. We'll talk about that. Those numbers probably mean nothing to you, but we'll talk about it. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and he had a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer, bearer went before him. So he stood, and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. In verse 11, when Saul, who was the king, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly 
afraid. So here's what's happening. There's, there's two hills. There's two mountains. We have the army of Israel up here on one side. We have the army of the Philistines over here. And there's a valley in between. And so every day the armies would charge forth. They would go to the battle line. And that's when Goliath, the champion, would step forward. And he said, let's make this simple. We, do, we, don't, we don't all have to fight today. Let's just do a one-on-one match. I'll represent the Philistines. You send your guy, and we'll duke it out, and that'll decide who wins. And so as the author is describing Goliath, he has this helmet. He has all his armor. First of all, he's six cubits in a span. Scholars debate these things, but he's probably about nine foot nine inches tall. It's pretty tall, right? I've never met a nine foot nine person. Nine feet, nine inches tall, somewhere around there. Just a giant of a man. His, just the coat of mail alone weighed 120 pounds, let alone all the other bronze stuff he's got going on. 120 pounds, that's just his coat he's walking around with. And then the, the spear that it talks about, the, the tip of the spear weighed as much as a bowling ball, like 15, 16 pounds. Can you imagine how heavy that entire thing would be? And he could just chuck that thing. I mean, this is a giant of a man. He's like Thanos, right? He's like, we need all the Avengers on this one to take this guy out. And what's really interesting here, the word champion that the Bible describes Goliath, that word means the in-between man. The in-between man. So like I said earlier, there are two armies on either side, and he steps in the valley in between, and he represents his side. The, The Bible's dropping major hints here right? The Bible's pointing us to something. He is the in-between man. He wants to represent and fight on behalf of his people. He's, it's pointing us, pointing us to a, a greater story that's taking place. And one other thing I want to note, the chain of mail, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. The chain of mail, if you read the New American Standard, what that Hebrew word literally means is scale armor. It's like armor of scales, right? And then, I don't want to get too nerdy on you. The word for bronze, okay, sounds similar to the word for snake in Hebrew. So maybe there's something going on here. He's got a scale armor, bronze everywhere. At the end of the story, we'll see there's focus on Goliath's head. So this story is setting up. Some of you know where I'm going with this. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So Goliath is the champion. He's the in-between man, representing his army, and he's challenging the Israelite army. And this happens for 40 days, 40 days in a row. Goliath keeps calling them out. Can you imagine just how, like, demoralizing that is for the army of Israel? They know their own king wouldn't go out to challenge this guy. So they're just, they're defeated mentally already. 40 days in a row, nobody's stepping up. But that brings us to the challenger. So the champion is Goliath. The champion is Goliath. Who is going to be the challenger who steps up to the plate? And we let's look at who it should have been. We know who it ends up being. The story is called David and Goliath, right? The challenger should have been King Saul. He was the king of the army. And if you look back at Saul's story when he became king, there's one detail the author talks about. He's taller than everybody else He's a head and shoulders taller than all the Israelites. So if there's somebody for the job, it's probably Saul. He may not be nine foot nine, but he's at least, I don't know, six foot five or something. 
pretty tall guy. We might as well send him out. But as verse 11 said, he was dismayed and he was greatly afraid. So here's what happens. This shepherd delivery boy shows up to the battle. He's delivering some cheese and some food for his brothers. And he hears this champion, Goliath, trash-talking his God. Goliath is trash-talking Yahweh and his army. And this shepherd boy, he's not going to have any of it. Let's pick up chapter 17. Let's flip over to verse 31. 1 Samuel 17, 31. We'll read through verse 37. David's walking around. He hears Goliath, and he's, he's like, who's going to, why isn't anybody doing something about this? He's like, I'm not scared. And so in verse 31, when the words of David, when, he, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and will fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, I mean, this is, this is unreal. David has a heart that is brave and that wants to fight. And what does his king do? Does his king encourage him and support him? Look at this. In verse 33, and Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Gives him absolute discouragement to start out. But, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and it took a lamb from the flock, I went after that thing, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Yahweh who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the, of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, may Yahweh be with you. David, he's got the heart. His heart's not afraid. He knows Yahweh, his God, is with him, and he wants to be the challenger. Back in uh, chapter 16, this is really cool. So Saul is the first king of Israel. He's anointed king. He fails. He goes against God. He sins. He disobeys. And so God has this, you know, secret anointing of King David in chapter 16. And when the prophet Samuel is going to find who the next king is going to be, in chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. And right now he's talking about David's older brother. Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So when Samuel's finding the next king, God says, don't look at the height of his stature. What's like the main feature of Goliath? What's the first thing you notice? The height of his stature. And the Lord says, don't look at that. Look at the heart. And now in chapter 17, David is saying, let no man's heart be afraid and melt because of this guy. David has the heart that is secure in the Lord. And he says, I see, I see how tall he is. I see how big he is. But God's not as concerned about that. God is concerned with the heart, and I know that God is with me. 
So David steps up to the plate. He is the challenger, and he is motivated by the name and the glory of God. It's not to get his own glory. It's not to, to prop up his name. It's because David is defying God and the armies of God. I mean, this scene is insane. It's like if our military leaders at the Pentagon were, uh, I don't know how this stuff works, but let's say there's military leaders at the Pentagon and there's some like foreign hacker getting into our system and all these smart computer leaders can't figure out. He's like getting through the firewall after firewall after firewall and we're like, we can't stop him. In, in a couple minutes, he's going to be all the way through, and he's going to wreck everything. And they're so stressed that they order some pizza, and the pizza delivery boy shows up, and he's like, he overhears them talking about it, and he says, you know what, guys? I love computers. And uh, believe it or not, I've stopped a couple of hackers who were trying to get into our pizza shop system and get some free garlic knots. I shut it down. So give me a crack at it. Let me see what I can do. That's what's happening here, right? Or uh, maybe a more kid-friendly illustration. Kids, does anybody know Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Yes, okay, just giant dude, mountain of a man. Let's say Dwayne Johnson, the Rock, let's say he has some kids. I didn't, I should have looked this up, I don't know. Let's say he has like some elementary age kids and he says, you know what? My kids are sick of doing homework. But their homework has to be done. So I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to make you do it, Samson. I'm going to make you do it at your school for them. And if I'm going to challenge you to an arm wrestle. If you beat me in an arm wrestle, I won't make you do it. But if, but if I beat you, you got to do your homework and my kid's homework. You'd be like, there's no shot. I mean, this is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then let's say a kindergartner walks in. And he's like, I got this. The kindergartner walks up, puts his arm on the thing. Who do you think is going to win? The kid. <laughs> if it's this story, the kid. Let's say the kid had this, like, secret robotic arm that could just take him out, right? That's kind of what David has. He has the power of Yahweh within him to take out Goliath. So the, the delivery boy shows up. He's the challenger. He steps up to the plate. And finally, he convinces King Saul to, like, let him do this. So Saul tries to give David his armor, right? But it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit David. It's not going to be good enough. So David's like, I don't need armor. I'm good. This is David's mentality. He says, I'm just going to go in my shepherd delivery boy clothes. I'm going to grab a couple rocks. And he's not concerned with the strength of his armor or the power of his weapons, because David's mentality is this. He says, Yahweh doesn't need me. I need Yahweh, and it's going to be in his strength that I fight this battle. I don't need to be some epic giant warrior. I just need God, and he's going to take care of this. And so at this point in the movie, the, uh, the background music, the epic like orchestra music starts to play. Maybe it starts raining outside. Look at verse 45. This is like the speech, the rousing speech before the battle. This is, this is insane. In chapter 17, verse 45, listen to what David says. So David said to the Philistine, meaning Goliath, 
He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This is like a PG-13 movie, sorry. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Maybe it's rated R. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Man, what a speech. He is... He's calling his shot. Well, not his shot. He's calling Yahweh's shot before this battle even takes place. He says, I know my God, and I know he's more powerful than you, and he will deliver you into my hands. And finally, so we see the, the champion is Goliath, but then the challenger steps up. That's David. And finally, the charge. And now the movie, the music, the background music cuts out, and it goes into slow motion. And David starts running. Let, let's read in verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle. He ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it. And he struck the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, and he took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah, they rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. David charged straight at this guy. He charged straight towards the battle line, not running away, running towards, and takes this little rock, slings it at his forehead, and takes him out. Another really interesting detail that the author wants us to notice, what did David not have on his side? A sword. Whose sword did David use? He used Goliath's sword. He used his own weapon against him. So, as we, as we kind of zoom out, we all know this story. It's still just so fun to walk through it because it's an incredible story. But as we zoom out, what is the point of all this? What is this story about? And just from the top, I want to say this. There's a, a pastor, his name's Matt Chandler. He has this, like, famous clip where he's talking about the story, and he's just like, you're not David. That's not you. You're one of the scared Israelites on the sideline. The point is, I won't yell at you. The point is, 
our tendency is to always put ourselves as the main character and the hero of every story. Like we read a Bible story and we see David and we're like, that's me. I got this. Goliath is my boss at work. I got that. Like, that's not the main point of the story. That's not what we're talking about. I believe what this story is about, as, we, as you read through the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve sin, they go against God, the curse is brought onto, onto this earth. God, as he is telling them the consequences and he's bringing judgment, he also gives them a promise. And he says, from the seed of Eve will come someone, and from the seed of the snake will come someone, but the seed of Eve will crush the serpent's head. The serpent might bruise his heel, but the seed of Eve will crush his head. And if you remember earlier, I was talking about how this coat of mail on Goliath is called scale armor, and there's a lot of focus on Goliath's head. So the, the authors of the Old Testament, they're setting us up to expect this battle between the seed of Eve and between the serpent. And so here, David, he cuts off the head of this giant man. And we're left asking the question, is David finally the seed of Eve snake killer? Is this the, the hero we've been waiting for? Is this the snake crusher? Because he cuts off the Goliath's head, he brings it to Jerusalem, he wins the battle. So is David, is King David the savior we've been waiting for? No, because if you keep reading, he messes up in his own ways, right? He makes sinful choices, he's not the final hero. But this story points us forward to one who finally came. And he did what not even David could do. He defeated not just some giant man. This champion, this challenger, this hero came and he defeated our ultimate enemies. He defeated the enemies of sin, of death, of our own flesh, of the serpent, that serpent from old. And this hero is both the champion, the true champion, and the challenger who took out the fake champion. And his name is Jesus. That's who we look to. This, a story like David and Goliath, it points us to what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. That's the main idea behind this story. Jesus is the ultimate champion. He's that in-between man, what that word means. He stands in between the armies, and he represents us. He wins the battle. He is the challenger, and the champion, and now he gives us reason to be able to charge. We stand in his victory. So, the next time you face a challenge in life, whether it's a temptation, a, a struggle, maybe it's false accusations against you, maybe it's just stress, whatever it is, when you're facing a big challenge, Maybe instead of viewing yourself as David and that thing as Goliath, instead, we can rest assured that the battle has already been won because of Jesus. So that thing in your life, it's not Goliath. Do you want to know why? Jesus already took care of the ultimate enemy. That thing is not the ultimate enemy. 
the Goliath, so to speak, has already been dealt with in the, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He defeated our ultimate enemy, the thing we could never do. So if we, if we were to place ourselves, our redeemed selves, somewhere in the story, we're not David. We are like the army of Israel who gets to charge because David had already won. That battle between David and Goliath, just like Goliath said, that was going to decide the war. So when Jesus, he lives his perfect life on our behalf, he never gives in to sin. He lives perfection. Then he dies on our behalf. He takes, just like David took the sword of Goliath and used it against him, Jesus takes sins and death's worst, their strongest weapon. To, to murder an innocent man, to die, to experience all that suffering. That, that is the strongest weapon that our enemies have. And Jesus took those weapons, and then he used it against them to defeat them. So that the worst crime, the worst sin in the history of humanity ends up becoming the greatest victory ever. Because he beat it by coming back from the dead, by raising back to life. So it's in his victory that we stand now, and it's in his victory that we can charge and face whatever life throws at us. And we actually get to charge the very gates of hell. As Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Gates are a defensive structure. So what is that? What are we on? If, if hell is on defense, that means we're on, we're on offense. We're charging. Jesus won the victory. We stand in his victory and we charge. That's, that's where we fit into this story. It makes me think of the song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. You heard that one? And it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So, the story of David and Goliath, it points to not just some incredible underdog story. It points to our Savior, Jesus, and his ultimate victory. And if you want to live in victory, it's totally free. And it will cost you everything because Jesus says you have to lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. But anybody can get in on this. It's a free invitation. Jesus invites everybody. He says, I won for you. So now you can come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, trying to fight the battle on your own, Come to me, I will give you rest. I have defeated every enemy that could possibly face you. So to get in on this, we confess that we haven't fought well. We've actually been fighting against Jesus, against God in our sin. And so we, when we confess these things, we can freely receive the forgiveness and the love of God through Jesus. Then the victory is yours. And then God puts his spirit in you to face whatever else life throws at you. So that's the story of Jesus and Goliath. Jesus is the ultimate champion. He is the in-between man who represents us and earned everything on our behalf. And now we get to rest in that and we get to charge forward in his victory and in his name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son to be the champion that we could never be. All of us have failed. 
yet you love us so much. You send Jesus to rescue us from ourselves, from that serpent of old, from our sin, from judgment. You rescue us out, and you offer us your victory and your righteousness for free, Lord. So may we happily and willingly leave behind our life of sin, our life of serving ourselves, and may we instead turn to you to follow and serve you and live in that secured, amazing victory over sin, over death, over the enemy. And God, may we now live our lives for your glory, knowing that all credit goes to you because you are the one who wins. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.